talking about understanding authority, and I think all of us have, have come to see, if you hadn't seen it previously, um, what a vital subject this is and how much is available to us uh, as we know that Jesus wants us to have access to heaven and the power of heaven from here on earth. Amen. He talked to, to Peter and said about giving him keys that will unlock things, overcome the forces of hell, amen, and cause heaven to be open to you here on earth. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And so we're seeing how important authority is. We also noticed, of course, that there are two sides to authority, not just the side of being in authority and commanding and binding and loosing and getting your needs met and all that. But there's also before that the very, very important and very little discussed side of being under authority. And that's what we've been speaking about. And that's what this verse in Hebrews 13 refers to. We're talking about the subject really of submission for a little while longer. And then we will get to that other side once we get through submitting. Amen. And so in Hebrews 13 is the verse that we've been looking at. And it says, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. That's not a verse you write down and put on your refrigerator, is it? <laughs> not one most people write down. It talks about your leaders, says they, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. So obey them so that their work will be a, a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Have you ever thought about what it's going to be like? Um, and have you ever thought about the fact that this verse says that your leaders will be giving an account for you? When are they going to do that? Well, there's going to be some judgment days in the future before the Lord face to face. Amen. There is something called the great white throne judgment. That's where all the dead who reject Jesus and go their own way, they'll all be resurrected bodily, stand before him and be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. The Bible says that. The Bible says that. Amen. Uh, and so they will be judged. And the sin that they'll be judged about primarily is the sin of rejecting God's gift. Amen. But there's also uh, the judgment seat of Christ for the believer, where we'll be judged according to what we've done in the flesh. And uh, can you imagine getting called over to the judgment seat and the Lord's got one of your leaders there <laughs> and he calls you over. He said, I need you to hear this. <laughs> I don't know that that's exactly what the scenario is going to be, but it does say, does it not, that they will give an account. Amen. So it is important to recognize and to understand uh, what this verse talks about. What, what we're talking about by submission. And of course, I remind you that when we talk about submission, we're talking about um, a placing of oneself under the authority of somebody else, right? And we said that it almost always involves a bending of your will. Hallelujah. And so we, we looked at different things. Submission's not easy, particularly. Uh, submission nece isn't necessarily fun all the time. But how many know that some things that aren't fun when you do them can bring joyful outcome. Hmm? I, 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 do, I wake up some mornings and I know it's one of the days that I'm supposed to go out and run. 
And how many who have ever tried to do that understand that you schedule it ahead of time. You don't wake up, see if it's a good day you feel like doing it. Right. That's like that's like waking up and saying, do we want to go to church today? How many would just admit I would never be here if I decided once I woke up on Sunday morning? You decide that really you decide that at the altar. When you say, yes, Lord. You just decided you're going to be in the church he puts you in. You're going to be there all the time. I mean, it's just what we do. Hallelujah. And and so, you know, I don't decide. Well, do I feel like running today? But that's already been determined. We made a quality decision. We made a commitment. We're going to keep doing this because I will never go out to run and feel like I'm going to have a heart attack like I did the first time my wife dragged me out there. I mean, I, and I wasn't a block into it. And I said, I think I better know you. She said, keep going. Come on. You just press through it. Thank God for a good wife. I've been pressing through it ever since. And I'll tell you what, there's not a single time where I like it. Hmm? I don't like it when I'm when I pull myself out of bed to do it. I don't like it when I get the clothes on. I don't like it when I'm stretching because that hurts more than the run. I don't like it when my dog pulls me while we're running. I don't like how my calves feel when I'm running. After I've done it, I'm so glad I did it. And so submission is kind of like that. (laughs) I don't get out of breath when I preach. I don't get out of breath when I'm out playing my saxophone. I'm in fairly good shape. I don't run that far, though. I mean, a couple miles. But how many know two miles is better than no miles? And I like if the, if the Spirit of God comes on me to run or dance, you know, man, I can do it and not, not have to turn the service over to somebody else to finish it out. And so submission is sort of the same way. You love the results if you'll do it. But it's, but it's getting there to where you do it. Amen. And uh, do you think that anything God told us to do is, is, is just to make life miserable for you? No, we're told in the Word, taste and see that the Lord is a bummer. No, the Lord is good. And all that he wants us to do is for our good, for our blessing. So we, we started last time talking about to whom are we to submit. Now, I will say we talked about how to submit primarily two things. It's how you defer to people. In other words, you give people their place that God gave them. And then how you refer to people and how you talk to them, how you talk about them. That can, that can indicate are you in submission or are you not in submission to them? Is it important to be in submission? Yeah, because your your place of authority, your your keys do not work if you're not in that other arena of submission. Amen. Just try it. Just try getting out of sorts with God and the people He's put underneath you and see how much power He has. See how much He backs you up. You can bind, loose, scream, incantate, and all kinds of other things. Amen. And you're not going to get results. How many know you can't force results from God? You ever tried? Hmm? I mean, you, you can't pray for money and not tithe and get, and get his full blessing. Just by way of example. Hallelujah. Amen. So we talked about how to submit. And then we began last time talking about to whom or who is to submit to whom. Is that good English? That's okay. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
We said that the Son and the Spirit submit to the Father. Wasn't that interesting? And so there's submission in the Godhead. They're all equal in person, but not equal in place. The Father's greater than all. Amen. And then the Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God points us to Jesus, points us away from Himself. Uh, that we, we said to you that every person is to submit their lives to the Lordship of Jesus first and foremost. Amen. Then we also said that your body and your soul is supposed to submit to your spirit. And we had fun with that, didn't we? Amen. I, I mean, what if your body got to pick what, what's on the food pyramid? Hmm? Your body essentially has three food groups that it likes. Salt, sugar, grease. And all at the same time is okay. Right? <laughs> give me some salt, give me some grease. I'll wash it down with some sugar. Amen. And then give me a greasy piece of pie to go, to go down after that. That's your flesh, right? And so we have, to, we have to keep your flesh. You have to keep your body in check. You have to keep your mind in check. And failure to do any of those things can disqualify you from being successful in other areas. Amen. And then, and then, then last week, Brother Philip didn't know what we've been preaching on. He preached on essentially the same thing, part two of it, didn't he? Talked about holy living, separated living. Amen. Not living like the world lives. Hallelujah. You might be scared you don't fit into society, but like he said, good. Good. <laughs> Society's messed up. Amen. Let's go on today and give us, because there's several other things I'd like to talk to before we start talking about being in authority. And uh, let's make sure we get these out, do a good job, okay? This would be number four then of who is to submit to whom. I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't know if I can get this out in the time that, that we have left. But then again, I want to get some of this out. We'll see what our time's like after this point, okay? See where we go. Number four, children are to submit to their parents. Kids, you came on the right day. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Any children here? Everybody smile. I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And lest any, lest any children wish you hadn't come today. If, uh, if, God's telling you to do, if God's telling you to do something, is it, is it going to make things good or make things bad? Good, right? You might say, I've heard that all my life. Not like you're going to hear it today. With very young children now, parents, you're supposed to make them submit. Very young children. They can't submit themselves. Right? I mean, please don't read any psychology books when you have a baby. Hmm? Because they will, they will essentially tell you to sit down and counsel your children. When they're sitting there and doing nothing but drooling and out of one end and doing stuff out the other end. I mean, they, you have to train, you have to make little ones submit. They will run your life. They will run your show. They will split your marriage if you let them do everything they want to do. Amen. As they get older, though, you don't make them submit as much as you let them suffer the consequences of rebellion. 
You teach them to submit themselves. Thank you for your enthusiasm. What's the difference? If you're forced to submit, there's no blessing attached. If you submit yourself, there's blessing. In Ephesians 6, have you found that? And I want to read a, a very important verse to you. Right in the first verse, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. How many have heard that? And it says that's the first commandment. Notice that it says the first commandment. First for kids, because that's the first people you're ever going to learn to submit to. Right? It's the first commandment. Notice those next words. With a what? With a promise. What is the promise? That it may go well with you. And that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, you know, I wish we'd preach the whole thing to kids. Because, you know, sometimes I'll minister to the teenagers when we have our blitz services and stuff once a month. And uh, they're, they're as receptive as anybody I've ever ministered to. I mean, we have great, great times with the kids. And if you just give them the word, they'll see it and they'll understand it. Amen. But you have to give them the word. Look, there's a reason. It's not just obey mom and dad. There's a reason for it. There's a promise attached. What's the promise? How many want to live a long life and live well while you're living long? I mean, no use living a long time if it's miserable the whole time, right? Living long, living strong. Do you see here that the course of your life or even the length of your life has something to do with submission? And if you don't learn submission, you may not, you may not do God's plan for your life and you won't live as long as he'd like you to. Say amen if you can. It may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. I, you know, I grew up um, in a home that wasn't a Christian home. And uh, we didn't have what we call healthy family dynamics. One thing I am thankful, very, very thankful for is that my mom and dad stayed together. But they easily couldn't have. I, I, you know, I think my dad was just such a flexible individual, you know, that he just flexed a lot. And I don't think he had any motivation to do anything else. He's great people. Thank God for both of them. Neither of them were saved at the time. Hallelujah. Now my daddy's in heaven and my mom is saved. Amen. But, you know, and I grew, I grew up, it was, I wasn't a Christian until I was 18 years old. I didn't do any honoring at all. But I got to reading this verse and said, I better catch up. I don't want to die young. So I've been working on honoring them ever since, doing stuff for them, buying stuff, and not asking to be reimbursed. Huh? Seeing what I could do. And uh, since my dad's gone away, this moved to heaven, this verse has kept me taking care of my mom. There's promise attached. Yes, there is. So, so parents, listen. You have a small window of opportunity, don't you? With which to, to, to teach and train your children 
in submission. And it teaches them, number one, how to respond to you. But that's not all it teaches them. It teaches them, teaches them how to respond to God. Amen. Listen, this verse here even implies is the first commandment. If they don't learn submission at home, they may never learn it. This is something that all of us who are parents have to teach our children. I ask you to go real quick to Proverbs 22. And you understand, I, I'm certain, that we could take an extensive period of time on each one of these points. One or two of them we are taking a little longer on. Because it's been a while. Amen. It's important to minister on the family some, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, if kids won't respond to your authority, very little chance they'll respond to God's authority. Proverbs 22, verse 6, look what it says. It says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not turn from it. But what do we have to do? Train him. Well, I have a strong-willed child. How many have ever heard somebody say that? Or how many said it yourself? I have a strong-willed child. Listen now, a lot of parents use this phrase anytime they encounter any resistance. And I'll tell you what it is. It's an excuse to try and relieve yourself of responsibility now and responsibility for when they turn out rotten. Amen. This might be your second spanking for today. Just, <laughs> will we just take it and go on? <laughs> strong-willed child does not mean you give up. Hmm? I got one, at least. Hey, man, we keep going. We keep working. We keep training. Training means, uh, you know, how did you train your hair to go the beautiful way that it goes? You worked on it every day. You combed it. You blow dried it. You put glue in it until you didn't need the glue anymore. Train. Not tell them once, yell the second time, scream the third time, and then oh, I just can't do anything with them. Amen. Is their will really stronger than yours? Hmm? If you've got a strong-willed child, that means you've got to have a stronger will. And you ought to. Amen. If you look over in the 15th verse, what do you do with a strong-willed child? How do you handle rebellion? How do you handle foolishness? Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but look what this says. The rod of discipline will drive it far from him. <laughs> Man, if, if the writer of Proverbs wrote that today, human services would be at his door. How many know this just wasn't Solomon, who had a lot of kids, he had a lot of wives, he knew what he was talking about. This is inspired by God. Is God telling you that there's times, especially with little ones, where you need something other than words to deal with your kids? Everyone say, uh-huh. He put extra padding on part of their body. What's it for? That's <laughs> to sit. I understand that. You're not going to kill them if you do things God's way. Amen. The Bible does not teach abusing your kids. And when it says, Rod, don't be thinking big steel, <laughs> baseball bats. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. How many remember switches or belts? Listen, 
I didn't get enough of that growing up. I got some. I was reading not too long ago. I was out of town and staying in a hotel. And this particular hotel, they, they put the USA Today right out there in front of the door. And so I was getting ready. I got that started reading. They had a big article on um, CEOs who were spanked growing up. I don't know if any of you saw that. So I'm reading this article. And they, they of course, had a, a, a child psychologist or a behavioral psychologist to weigh his professional opinion in. And he said, well... No, spanking a child reduces their intelligence. And so the, the person who was doing the article said, well, what about all these who are CEOs? And the, the individual said, well, think what they could have done if they hadn't been spanked. <laughs> Children are screaming. You can't hear them, but they are screaming for you to give them boundaries, to give them structure. Little ones just run around. They're saying, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Please give me a boundary. Please give me some structure. Help me. Now, Johnny, careful. Now we've one, two, three. Okay. He ain't getting it. One, two, and three don't mean nothing to Johnny. It don't mean a thing to him. If you will do what God says, you won't have to do it very long. Do you hear me? I know some of you are past, but grandkids may come along. <laughs> Amen. You won't have to do it very long if you do what God says. Amen. Well, we could talk about training, couldn't we? Hallelujah. Kids must be taught how to defer and refer to their parents. There's a reason we call them mom and dad, right? How many have ever met a kid who called their parents by their first names? Huh? Stop it. Stop it. What does mother and father mean? What does it mean to father a child? It means you are their origin in bringing them in to the world. And when they refer to you by that, they're saying, I know your place. How many ever heard Jesse Duplantis preach? He said his dad used to always say to him, son, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Yeah. <laughs> you refer to mom and dad by their title. Hmm? Not Barney and Betty. Fred and Wilma. That's not what you say to your mom and dad. Huh? Your whole life you don't say that to mom and dad. They're always the ones who brought you in. And as long as you live in their house or receive from their provision, you submitted to them. Amen. There is a time the Bible talks about where man's to leave mom and dad. Amen. Some hang on a little too long, don't they? So you, you, def, you refer to them correctly. You don't talk about, you know, my old man talking about your dad. Huh? My father. The ones who without them, I wouldn't be here. Come on now. I don't care if you had a, a parent that didn't do you good. Somebody changed your diapers. Somebody fed you. Somebody carried you around nine months. Right? And children are supposed to defer to you. And we got to teach them to do that. They don't take over the family. Hmm? We train ours. You know, I got a couple talkative kids. They're, I don't know where they get it from. 
But, but they're, they're, they're good. I love them. But there's times when we're with other adults. They want to carry the conversation. I say, shh. Oh, pastor, don't you know that's hindering their development? It's teaching them to defer to those who are older than them and to wait their turn. And then lots of times I'll go, what did you want to say, son? And we'll listen to the story. Amen. Children are supposed to submit to their parents. Praise the Lord. Go to Luke chapter 2. I had more today than just talking about children. But I think it's going to be next time. Because it's not going to take two minutes. This is worth looking at, isn't it, brothers and sisters? It is. It's important. Even if you're not in mom and dad's house, you still can honor them and ought to be believe in God to be able to do things for them. Amen. There's some kids that, you know, you, you raised in poor situations and then you did better. And then there's some kids, they won't take care of mom and dad. They're embarrassed about them because they're poor. You ought to be slapped. Hallelujah. Well, in Luke chapter 2, I just want to look at a situation here. If you look at uh, verse 40, this is talking about Jesus as a child. And it said this, the child grew, became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Talking about Jesus. Now, verse 41 it says every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, check this out now, teenagers, whoever you are, listen to this. While his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem and they were unaware of it. Rut row. How many know this is a major thing? I mean, you, they didn't have cell phones. And verse 44, check this out. Thinking he was in their company, in other words, thinking that he was just with some of the aunts and uncles a little ways back. They just traveled on for how long? A day. Then they began looking for them among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem, major city. To look for him. After three days, everybody say three days. Mom and dad, how are you feeling now after? There's one day you thought he was with you. That day spent. Another day to get back to Jerusalem because they went a day's journey. Now you're in Jerusalem for three days. That's five days. Huh? I can count that high. Five days, you don't know where your son is. They found, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Probably a little relieved. His mother said to him, look at this now. His mom said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, 
Jesus, we'll, we'll get to his response in a second here. But Jesus now, he's a boy, he's 12 years old. They go to the Passover feast. The Passover feast, they're talking about, you know, if you don't know what the Passover entailed, um, there was a sacrificial lamb. There was different herbs and spices that represented different things. And all of it represented who? Him. And he's seeing these things. <laughs> and the Spirit of God is witnessing to him, you're going to be that lamb. Those bitter herbs are the bitter waters you're going to have to drink. Bitter cup you're going to have to drink. And then it's a lot, a lot of other good things. He's seeing this. He's impacted by it. And mom and dad said, hey, son, we're leaving such and such a time. And, he's, and he said what I said when I was that age. Oh, uh, okay. And, and went right on. Wow, this is awesome. He just stayed. I don't see in this. This is just me. You might think different. I don't see a real act of rebellion here. As much as I see some immaturity. He didn't think. How many know guys are guilty of that? <laughs> right, ladies? He just stayed. This was so cool. I mean, he's, he's seeing his call. He's, he's learning all kind of stuff about who he's going to become, what he's going to do. He's just stayed. And it never really occurred to him that, oh, they left. I can't prove that that's what happened, but it's what it seems like to me. It didn't seem like he premeditated, well, I'm going to get them. Bless God, when they leave, I'm just not going to be there. Look what, look what his response was, verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? They didn't, uh, they didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. Verse 51. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His response, it, he assumed that they, they, they sensed the same call that he sensed. I mean, what do you know when you're 12, you know? Or 13. Or 14. 15, 16. You know some stuff, but you don't know it all. Come on. None of the teenagers are saying amen. You don't know it all. Not even close. Love you. Don't know it all. I, I thought I did. I didn't. When he was confronted with his mistake, what did he do? Y'all just read it to you. What did he do when he was confronted with his mistake? He went with them, submitted himself to them, obeyed them. I want you to notice he didn't say, well, bless God, I'm called of God. He's higher than you. He, his actions showed us some things. That the way you submit to God is, the way you sub, is, is by submitting to those who are over you. Amen. It's amazing how much rebellion takes place in the name of God. It really is. You know how many times I've heard, well, God told me to stay home from church. For a season. For, for now. I'm supposed to stay home. God's a terrible leader, if that's true. Because he put, he put contrary to that in his word. Didn't he? Didn't he? And, and then it's amazing that God, 
you know, God will not change what the sheep are supposed to do or give them a transfer without telling the shepherd. What terrible leadership if he did. And there's a whole lot of other examples. Jesus did not. Jesus said, okay, I will put the call of God. I'll put what I'm passionate about. I'll put what I feel God wants me to do. I'll put it aside to submit. Interesting. You supposed to put God off to submit? Sometimes. How do we know whether he was right or not? Look at the end of the, look at the, end of the story. Verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God because he obeyed somebody under God. He wanted to stay there forever. He got to get more of this. He essentially said to God, we'll have to get back that, to that some other time because I got to obey mom and dad. Amen. Well, there's a lot to see here. And, and, and you don't want to miss next time. We're going to have some serious fun next time. I want every wife to be here next time. Every husband. Everyone who's ever been a wife or a husband. Everyone who thinks they might want to someday be a wife or husband. Anybody who wants to be single the rest of their life. <laughs> I want you to be here next week. Let's stand up. Let me pray over you. We'll dismiss. Was this okay? How many glad you came today? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Y'all are in the place God told you to be. Amen. Some of you could have been doing other things. Following after a, 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 this church has such and such a program, we don't. You obeyed God. You went to the right place. You're going to grow just like Jesus did by doing the right thing in response to the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what we have seen today, for what was spoken today, for what we received today.